Hey guys, if you already don't know by now, I'm on LinkedIn. And if you'd like to connect with me, just send in a request. Thank you so much to those who've been sharing my posts and tagging others. I appreciate you all so much. Now, let's get started with the show. How can we compete? What am I capable of doing? What am I capable of sacrificing? And how hard am I willing to go? That's really the conversation. It's not always the how. Yes, the how is important, but it's the who. Who are you willing to become? What are you willing to do? You're now tuned into Tender Love and Cash, the place where ambitious men and women turn to for business strategies that not only skyrocket their profits, but also position them to serve the masses and make money doing what they love. I'm Amber Anthony, profit booster, efficiency driver, strategy specialist, and lover of all things analytical. And I'm going to help demystify difficult topics and concepts, crunch the numbers, and use real data to craft a strategic approach that supports business owners with a solid framework to operate a well-planned cash-generating machine. I can't promise to tell you what you want to hear, but I'll guarantee you'll get the guidance you need to hear to launch, grow, and build the business of your dreams with confidence. Let's dive in. On today's episode, I am going to show you exactly how I started a company for under $40,000 and how it was at a break-even point paying the individual running the organization by month six. So... Let's get into story time. This was several years ago, and my very best friend and mentee, who is 15 years younger than me, relocated out to California to join me in my business. And after working for and with me for a few years, she had an entrepreneurial spirit and informed me that she didn't want to live in my shadow and she wanted to go into business for herself. So we tried multiple things. Uh, we had a shuttle company that she took over. She started to teach herself web design and she was operating as a freelance graphic designer and web designer for a few years, which sidebar really came in handy when this venture came about. But because she was young and she was now basically leaving corporate America and going out on her own, just like most of us, it's uncharted territories and really scary out there because you're having to put yourself out there. You're having to look the part. You're having to make relationships. You're having to close deals. And though I'm sure men battle with this too, for women, it's definitely top of mind that we are attractive, right? At the end of the day, people like looking at attractive people. So in her head, she had told herself that she would definitely be able to take her business to the next level if she were able to boost her confidence. And in her head, that meant doing some cosmetic restructuring, if you will. 
So I'm all for it, okay? Because when I work with clients or mentees, the first thing that we do is we sit down and make a list as to what's holding us back from reaching our goals, no matter what it is. Even if they are, in fact, lies that we're telling ourselves, let's put it on the list so we can go down line by line and correct or cross them off, right? In order, of course, to eliminate the excuses to get to your goals. So she decided to take a journey to Tijuana, which is like one of the plastic surgery capitals of the world, and again, get some enhancements. So for those of you who are not familiar with plastic surgery in Tijuana or plastic surgery in general, right, obviously there is a recovery period. And specifically in Tijuana, because you want to be close to your doctor for at least the first week post-op, you will want to stay down there. And there are multiple options. You, If you're going with a family member, obviously you can stay at a hotel. But the normal thing to do is stay at a recovery house, right? Because it's in the proximity of your doctor. And of course, you have individuals there that are knowledgeable and can care for you properly. So there are many recovery houses in Tijuana, and some of them are affiliated with the doctors and some of them are not, just freestanding and doctors recommend them. And that was the case in this scenario. So she traveled down to Tijuana, to a renowned doctor and got a recommendation to stay at a recovery house. So upon staying at that recovery house for the seven days, as she was traveling back over the border, she calls me and she says, I have an idea. She said, this recovery house, it was packed with girls at X amount of dollars per night. She said, and I was doing the math and I was asking questions and I think there's something here. I think this could be, you know, a possible business that, that, you know, she could pull off. And I said, oh my God, let me jump right on it. And so this is where it gets exciting because I still have these original spreadsheets from years ago that literally vet out all of this logic. Okay. So immediately when she was stating that, you know, let's see if it's worth what the margins would be to have a recovery house, I started doing my competitive analysis. So I hopped online and literally created a spreadsheet with columns and listed all of the competitors within an X amount mile radius of Tijuana. But the things that we were tracking, and I'm just going to run this list to you right now, was did any of them have registered nurses? Um, caretakers, no credentials. Were there scheduled rounds? Were caretakers on called? Did they have structured schedule of showers, meals, massages, or was it just pretty much a free-for-all? Transportation to and from doctor, was that provided and was that provided at additional cost? What were the meals, snacks, water, juice provided? At what level? At what quality? Medical supplies, was that an additional expense or were they provided? And if so, what did that look like? What was the location? How many miles from Tijuana, Rosarito? Um, and I'll get into that a little bit later. What were the additional snacks and appetizers? Um, what was the policy on guests and visitors? Could guests come and stay? Uh, what was the 
you know, the rate at which they could stay and were men allowed in the recovery house? And then of course, was there something aesthetically pleasing about this recovery home? Did it have a view? Was it upscale or was it just functional, right? So literally took the competitors in the area and went down this list. And obviously we knew what their per night room rate was. And from there, I just put in X's to see who was doing what and how they compared against one another from not only a functional standpoint, but what they were providing the customer. So at this point, I'm almost doing the research for what would be for our marketing, for the sales page, right? What makes Dollhouse Recovery Center different from fill in the blank? And all of this happened literally within 24 hours of this first conversation. So we're not even talking about money. We're not even talking about budget. We're not even talking about where the money's coming from or how we're going to pull it off. The first thing that we're doing is imagining, imagining how we are going to potentially show up in this space. So after I did the analysis of the competitors, then I did a secondary analysis of why you would want to stay at a recovery house versus a hotel. So I went down that scenario and I will share this spreadsheet with you. I think it's important for you to see these preliminary notes. So when you are vetting a business opportunity, it really does start with the imagination the note-taking, comparing and contrasting, and doing deductive reasoning, going through, is this true? Is this false? Could this happen? Could this not happen? If it does happen, what would be the benefit? What would be the risk? So it's kind of a think tank. And again, it's the best part because it's where you're thinking without being restricted. So once you have a model to where you've thought and vetted everything out, that's when you can start to apply the money and the logistics. But to give you additional information on this research, right, for competitors, which was, in fact, a hotel, should you want to bring a family member down there, again, created another spreadsheet. So a four-star hotel accommodation, what would it be per night? You know, is there 24-7 care? Well, only if you bring a companion. So what would be that cost, right? Transportation. Did you bring a personal car? Did you have to get Mexican insurance? Did you get a rental car? What does gas look like? What does taxi look like per day? Because remember, in the other models, many of that was all-inclusive, right? What were the meals? How were you sourcing the meals, right? Was your companion having to go out to get these meals? And obviously, when you're going out for takeout, well, it's not necessarily as healthy. Um, you know, there are definitely not as many options to be mindful of sodium and, you know, less inflammatory foods, whereas the menu at a recovery house would be addressing that, right? Did they do daily laundry for you? Didn't think about that, but it's important because obviously you're out of surgery, you're in a faha, okay? You have bodily fluids that are coming through, you're bleeding through much of your clothes, right? So how many outfits do you have? How many fahas do you need at $100 and $150 a WAP? Because when you're at a recovery house, 
they do your laundry daily. So when you go get your massage, they actually launder your fajas and your undergarments to make sure that when you come out of your massage, you are in a, you know, a clean environment. Um, Wi-Fi, right? That's a thing because you're laying there 24 seven recovering. So do you have these amenities included? You know, what is, you know, do you have the unlimited movies where you would have at a recovery house? So I went through any and every scenario on a spreadsheet, yes, no, yes, no, compare and contrast again, because this is the preliminary work for your marketing. So when in fact you do position your service or your offering, you can say, hey, this is what we do. This is how we do it. And this is why you should choose us versus these two other choices. Because not only does it make sense financially, it makes sense logistically. And then on top of it, it makes sense for quality control, right? Because if you're coming down to do this type of surgery, you're obviously investing in yourself. And those of you who have been through any type of surgery, you know that aftercare is literally the make or break. So you don't want to squander that experience by being uninformed or being cheap. And usually anytime you are uninformed and trying to save money, aka be cheap and meaning because you're uninformed, right? You end up oftentimes spending even more. So that's why it was important for me, number one, to vet out the logic of this business opportunity. You know, are we really able to provide and customize a world-class service, right? And in doing so, how can we communicate that effectively? So again, within 48 hours of the idea, this is the data, this is the research that we threw on the spreadsheet. So after we were both comfortable and we were like, okay, yeah, like, this seems like a thing. We could totally pull this off. Now it was time to get into the numbers. On the original spreadsheet, and again, we are going to be sharing this with you because this is gold, you guys. All right. So many of you new in business overthink it. And I want to demystify and break it down to just real solid logic. Even in my business of 25 years, that is a seven figure business. Okay. That employs over 45 people. Anytime I have an individual who is overcomplicating it in their head, because sometimes just because it's bigger, you think it's more complicated and that's not the case. I tell my team members, I go, do me a favor. I go, you've planned your wedding, right? Or you planned your quinceanera, correct? Or you've planned, you know, a family reunion. Yes. Yes. I want you to treat this project like that. I want you to treat it as if it was your own, as if you were taking pride in providing an experience where you were considering many things. You were considering, considering time, budget, logistics, other people's needs and wants, and you were running it through multiple lenses and multiple scenarios to get the best 
possible outcome, not only in consideration for the event or the project itself, but also for everybody involved. And that's literally what business is. So I'm kind of taking you through that process. And, you know, while you're listening to this podcast, obviously you're not going to be able to see the visuals. Obviously, you're not going to be able to see the visuals. I do hope that in the final edits, they throw some of these screenshots up. So if you're listening or watching on YouTube, you can, in fact, see little snippets of what I'm talking about. And then again, I'm going to go ahead and make sure that I include these in a PDF that you can download in the show notes. Because once you look at it, it's going to click for you and you're going to go, ah, got it. And I pray that it gives you the confidence to move forward because at the time, my best friend was looking for a replacement of her income. And she had rationalized that in order to leave her job with her side hustle of graphic design and web design, that to commit to this venture her expectation would be $2,500 a month, you know, initially. Okay. So that's exactly how our revenue expense model was built. So that was the goal to achieve that within the first six months. So the first thing that we did was we made a list of what it would take to open doors for a recovery house. And I have this under a column called assets. And those assets included, you know, the legal incorporation, the website, which thankfully she could do herself, but I did want to put that as a line item. Marketing, televisions, beds, we needed to purchase six to eight beds total, a minivan, bedding and linens, um, Apple TVs with Netflix, kitchen house supplies, a second fridge, Furniture for the house that included two sets of couches, dressers, dining room table, and bar stools. The first and last month's rent, insurance deposits, and what it would look like for transporting anything over the border, right? And so then we started to do a cost analysis of whether or not we would be sourcing all of these things here in the U.S. and crossing them over the border, which is very difficult to do and a no-no, but we were vetting that scenario, right? Or what it would cost to source these things in TJ, TJ, a.k.a. Tijuana, right? So now we actually have estimates. And from the list that I just gave you, the estimate was $40,000, okay, to be able to get all of these items and start the business. Again, first and last month and with a bit of a cushion in the bank account. But let's talk about the operating expenses. Let's talk about the break-even points. Let's talk about when the doors open, Okay, so we know that to even get to the point to open the doors, we need 40 grand. Okay, so now the house is acquired, everything is in the house, the website is live, we have some money in the checking account, we're all set up for our first Instagram post and our first Facebook group post, we're ready to roll. Okay, so when the doors open, what does that look like? How much does it cost to hire a team? 
what is that daily cost, right? You already know what the house lease is, but what is the daily cost for additional labor? And then remember, as I stated with this business model with the recovery house, when you have patients there, right, you're providing food and services. So the more patients you have, the more food. The more patients you have, the more trips back and forth to their doctors and massages. So all of those are called variable expenses. But we still have to do an estimation of what it would cost at max, at full capacity, seven days a week, whether patients are there or not. What does that break-even point look like? So allow me to share this with you. Hey everyone, if you know anyone that could possibly benefit from listening to this episode, then you should definitely let them know about it. Podcasts usually grow by word of mouth, and I'm on a mission to help others build their businesses through the lessons I've learned along the way. So if you know anyone who would love this podcast, just message, tag, and share it on social media. I appreciate you all so much. Let's get back to the show. The house lease was $22.50 a month. To have two team members there 30 days a month, the team members usually the wage in Mexico is $30 a day. But we wanted to source individuals who really wanted to work and make a difference at Dollhouse. So our daily wage that we were offering was $45, which obviously is quite an increase making us, you know, more competitive because we are attracting a different type, a different caliber of talent. Then you had your utilities and internet, your potential gas back and forth at max, assuming that you're making two to three trips a day, whether you're picking girls up from surgery or transporting them to their follow-up appointments. You have your house supplies, your cleaning supplies, Of course, you're operating this minivan, so you have auto liability insurance. Fun fact, there are tolls. (laughs) So we had to account for tolls, which were $160 a month. Your Netflix, your liability insurance, your website hosting, your additional marketing, and of course, your credit card merchant fees because you are accepting payments virtually. So there's a cost to that. Now, I always build in what the minimum expectation of the owner-operator is because the goal is to get the owner-operator paid immediately, okay? And so remember I stated that she had an expectation of $2,500 a month. So with all of those line items that I just shared with you, we are now at an operating monthly cost of $11,360 a month. Okay, so we know that it took $40,000 to open the doors. And now we know that once the doors are open, we need to get $11,000 in sales by any means necessary to make sure that we not only are employing our team members at full capacity, but that we as the operator owner can, in fact, get some type of a distribution as soon as possible. And you've heard many people say that it takes two years for businesses to become profitable if they even make it that long. And 
when they say profitable, that doesn't even necessarily mean that you're getting paid. Plenty of business owners work for free for a very, 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 very long time. But anytime I run scenarios and break even points, there is always the goal to include the owner operator making sure that they're getting that minimum distribution. So now the question is, we know we need to get $11,000 in our hands every single month. What does that look like? Well, I ran out different scenarios and sales goals. So four girls for seven days equals $3,800 for that stay. Okay, so in running out that scenario, and let's say it's 112 nights booked at capacity for the month, that would bring in a revenue of $15,360, which obviously is higher than our break even point of 11,000, right? Or shall I say 11,360, but you get the point. So you have to know what your break-even point is, and then you have to have a strategy to get those sales. So in this scenario, we know we would exceed our break-even point with 112 nights booked. And so from there, you start to figure out how many girls, how many average days they're staying, was there a guest or not, and so forth. And you start working out a profit plan. Okay, so let me tell you what actually happened the first three months. And again, I will include all of this for you so you can see that it is in fact possible when you have a roadmap, okay? So the very first month, we opened in May. And that month, 10 patients and three guests. The total amount paid after discounts, because a few discounts were applied, obviously when it's your grand opening, right? You're playing with different types of marketing and acquisition techniques. So total income that came in for the very first month was $7,200. Now here's what's exciting. Remember I told you that our break even point was $11,360 and that's at max 30 days, everybody working at max, and also putting $2,500 in the pocket of the owner. Well, in this scenario, it was 43 nights. Now, remember, max to get to $15,000 was 112 nights. So 43 nights meant that we didn't need that second team member at $45 a day times 30 days. So again, for you to see the spreadsheet come to life, putting it in the show notes, because anytime I run a scenario, I always run it at max. But for May, because we were less than 50% of our goal, that means that we didn't have to buy as much food. We didn't have to spend as much in gas. We didn't have to spend as much in support staff. We only needed one additional support staff member. So for the month of May, we hit our break-even point. I know, absolutely crazy, right? Month one, break-even. 
Okay. That doesn't happen in business. It doesn't happen ordinarily. But in this case, it did happen, not because anybody was specifically magical, not because there was, you know, anything completely out of the ordinary, other than the fact that there was a plan. There was a plan of execution. And the owner operator had the blueprint, looked at the plan, knew the break even points, and went after it accordingly, logically, with no emotion and was able to run the play, okay? So if you, in fact, are wanting to get into business, it's absolutely necessary to do this type of blueprint. And, you know, back in the day, you know, it would be called a business plan, right? And it's exactly the steps that you would take in a business plan. I just don't really fumble around with a lot of the wording and the blue ocean and the red ocean and, you know, all these formal things that you learn in your MBA and this and that, mind you, I have those credentials, okay? We are getting to the meat and potatoes. How can we compete? What am I capable of doing? What am I capable of sacrificing? And how hard am I willing to go? That's really the conversation. It's not always the how. Yes, the how is important, but it's the who. Who are you willing to become? What are you willing to do? You know, who are you willing to become to be consistent, to be thoughtful, to continue to vet your logic, to, to continue to course correct, to continue to evolve. I mean, this is all about who you are as the owner operator, not becoming complacent, looking at your data, looking at your numbers. Was the logic sound? Do we have to rework it? Do I have to go out and garner more sales? How many calls or emails or posts or what did I do to book those 43 nights? If I do double, will I get more? Are there incentive programs? How can I garner more reviews? On and on and on. These are the things that you have to keep thinking about in business at the early stages because nothing is promised. You don't have a reputation yet. So let's talk about what happened the following month, okay? So I just shared, and I'm literally looking at the original spreadsheet. So now let's talk about June, right? June was 10 patients and two guests. May was 10 patients and three guests. But guess what? June was 54 room nights versus May at 43. So obviously 54 nights means more money in, still less than 50% of our max, right? So we know May, we hit our break-even point. June, obviously, we hit our break-even point. It was $8,600 in. But again, because it was only 54 nights, the additional staff member wasn't required. The additional gas to and from everything wasn't required. The additional food for a max amount of patients at 112 nights wasn't required. So your biggest expenses in business obviously is going to be the labor. And in this particular business model, the food. So the labor and the food are the two most expensive things to run this business. So at 112 room nights, Obviously, you're at max. Please refer to the spreadsheet, which was $11,360. 
Of course, that includes the $2,500 a month to the owner-operator. But again, when you're only operating at 50%, what do those numbers look like? Boom, break-even point, hit. Again, because we have it planned out. Now, July. July dipped. So in July, there was only six patients and one guest. Only 34 room nights, right? So a top line of sales, $5,100. But again, because of your variable expenses of labor and food, you weren't having to spend as much. So once again, we were at a good operating break-even point. So I hope this gives you a, a good understanding of the data that you need to track right? And the spreadsheets that you need to have. You need to have these columns of not just monthly, but you need to look at it by day, by patient, by staff member, and sometimes depending on the business model, no lie, by hour, you know, especially like in production. When you go to China, the reason that they're able to be so competitive with their pricing is because they are documenting and monitoring metrics by the second, Okay, not even by the hour. So the closer that you look at your operations, okay, and the dollar amount that it costs to operate, the tighter you can get into looking at it, the more profitable you're going to be because you are going to be able to identify all of the waste. If you're just looking at it daily, weekly, or monthly, it's really not going to give you the view that you need. And just to be extra excited again, the August data was 46 room nights, top line $8,600. So again, from May to August, immediately, it was making sense. Nobody was panicking. Nobody was having to beg for money. Nobody was having to put things on credit cards. It was all very well thought out because we had a profit plan. So for any of you who are looking to start a business, who is passionate about something, who has around $50,000, who is willing to work for a reasonable salary, obviously not six figures jumping off, but being able to walk into the business to be able to earn around $50,000 a year. And potentially this is something you could do in addition to something else, right? In addition to your full-time job, or maybe you have a spouse that will support you in taking on a new venture, or maybe you've saved up a year's salary to be able to jump into working for yourself. All of these scenarios are definitely appropriate, but before you make the jump, please <laughs> take my advice, click the link in the show notes, and just take a quick peep at these spreadsheet excerpts. It served us well in this project. I have done multiple businesses in the same fashion in different industries. So I'm hoping that you also take away the fact that I'm not a plastic surgery guru. Okay. I don't have any experience in this industry, right? 
I am a researcher. I am an operator. I am a critical thinker and I operate off of logic. So once you do a competitive analysis and put together real numbers and have a plan, and then of course, have that personal conversation with yourself as to what you're willing to do to make this work, you too can have this type of result, this type of success. So fast forward, my dear friend, the owner operator of this business kept this business going for, I want to say four and a half years and did do an exit and sold the business, right? So over those years, I will tell you by year two, her distribution was far more than $2,500 a month. She was definitely earning six figures herself. And of course, as a business owner, there are lots of perks, okay? Her boyfriend was on payroll. Her mom was on payroll. Many of their travel and meals were business expenses. The computers, the new iPhones, the MacBooks, um, anything that contributed to supporting the business were business deductions, which I like when anytime I have a business, even though you have your profit and loss statement of expenses that are legitimate business expenses, I like to put little stars next to them to remind myself that thanks to this business, thanks to this business, my $2,700 to Verizon this year is deductible. Without this business, if I were a W-2 employee, that would not be the case. So when I print out my profit and loss statements, I have a private conversation that has nothing to do with the internal revenue code, that has nothing to do with the fact of what I am able to benefit from as a business owner. In order to keep myself grounded, I make a little star and highlight all the areas to remind myself that thanks to this business, I have the power and leverage to do X. Again, meaning potentially employ a family member to be able to get a brand new $3,600 computer that I ordinarily wouldn't have purchased as a W-2 earner, right? But because it's for business use and it's also you know a business expense, I went ahead and purchased it you know, having that luxury and that peace of mind. And I think that as business owners, we lose sight of that a lot. We lose sight of the perks that come along with the business. So my additional tip is once you get rocking and rolling, once you get your business off the ground, once you replace your W-2 job with a business that is all yours, that you can pour your heart and soul into, This is coming from 25 years. Never forget. Never forget what it gives to you, what it allows you to do. Again, the freedom, the leverage, the power, the experience. It is completely unmatched. So I am a huge advocate for individuals, you know, really taking pride in owning and operating their businesses. And that's why I show up for you to be able to show you the real behind the scenes and to empower you and make you feel comfortable to know that you can figure it out 
too. You can figure it out too. You just have to have the framework and a few examples, but most importantly, you have to have the desire, the desire to succeed, the desire to be great. 